Hey lady, it's Dr. Dom here. If you like this show and you want to make your own, let me tell you about the free platform Anchor. It's a creation tool that allows you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. You can add songs from Spotify and create any type of content that you are looking for. Anchor will distribute it all for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and more. Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. On this week's episode in Her Space. So we have to think about what are our patterns and what are we doing that's causing us to get in this space in the first place. And if you really want to experience transformation in that area, you really have to proactively work on your habits. It is not necessarily about how much money you make. It's about what you do with the money that you make. So you really have to be intentional. You have to be aware. You have to be willing to sacrifice, especially if you are in a space where your income levels are a little bit lower. But if that is the case, just know that you have the capacity and the eagerness to do it because there's always ways where you can make money to supplement what you need. Today's episode is sure to provide you with motivation, inspiration, or even a fresh perspective. If you have any aha moments or if you feel comforted throughout the episode, lady, please leave us a review and tell us what we're doing right so we can stay on track. Also, we release episodes every Friday, so be sure to subscribe on iTunes and visit herspacepodcast.com and enter your email address to get updates about our live events and all the new beginnings that we have for this year. Welcome to Her Space, a podcast dedicated to uplifting women like you. We're your hosts, Dr. Dominique Broussard, a college professor and psychologist, and Terry Lomax, a techie and motivational speaker. In a world where Black women are often misrepresented and misunderstood, please join us as we initiate authentic conversations on everything from fibroids to fake friends and create a safe space where Black women can just be. Hey, lady, it's Terry here from the Herspace podcast, and I have some exciting news for you. I just published my self-help book, How to Glow Up As You Grow Up your go-to guide for overcoming obstacles and making lemonade. So if you've ever experienced loss, childhood trauma, a narcissistic partner, or depression, this book is just for you. If you visit glowupbook.com, again, that's glowupbook.com, you can order your copy today and you will surely be inspired. So I hope that you decide to join me on this journey and I'll see you soon. All right, lady, today we have a very, very, very special guest today. So get your pen and your paper out, okay? You're going to thank us later. So get it out. Get ready. Sophia Melanie, the debt demolisher, is a financial literacy advocate and financial prosperity coach who offers workshops, seminars, keynotes, and coaching to deliver the blueprint to debt freedom and financial abundance. After single-handedly paying off over $83,000 of debt in 21 months while being a caregiver, Sophia launched her business, Smash Debt, to help people strategize on how to get out of debt, start building wealth, and become leaders in their financial house. Sophia, welcome to Her Space. Hello, 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 ladies. I'm so excited to be here with you guys. We hear it in your voice, and we are so excited to have you. 
So I'm going to take us into our quote of the day. The real measure of your wealth is how much you'd be worth if you lost all your money. Now, Sophia, I took that from your Twitter page. I just want to be transparent. (laughs) (laughs) And so when you put that quote out there, what came up for you? Like what was resonating for you that inspired you to tweet that? Absolutely. So one of the things that's very important to me, of course, and what I share with folks a lot is that it's not necessarily about what you have or how much you have. The real measure of your wealth is what will you have left over if you were to lose everything that you have. So a lot of times we tie our identity to the number that's in our bank account, or we tie it to the things that we have in terms of material possessions. But when we think about it from a conceptual standpoint, it's really about who you are and what you are designed to be and live in life. I love that because to me, that speaks to our psychological relationship with money. Absolutely. And it allows us to kind of really think about the emotions that take hold of us and come up for us around money, around finances, around wealth. You know, because even saying the words finances or wealth or money, like each of those words can bring up different emotions in people. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And so, what inspired you to kind of take this journey of getting out of $83,000 worth of debt in 21 months? Let me tell you, my story is one that surprises a lot of people. So in terms of my background professionally, I'm an accountant. So I deal a lot with numbers and financial analytics and things of that nature. But behind the scenes, my personal finances were a wreck. And the reason being is because I grew up in a family with a lot of scarcity and lack. We didn't have a lot growing up. I had a lot of hand-me-downs growing up. We had to get food from food banks. We had times where we didn't eat. There was just a lot of things that happened in my household. And I was taught to survive and live off of the little, right? And as I got older and I had to be responsible for my mom at a very early age, as I got older, my mentality was, I have to do this to to take care of my family. I have to work. I have to earn money. I have to do this. And so I did all of these things to earn this hefty salary. But when you talked about emotions and money, that is so, so, so true because I had a dysfunctional emotional relationship with money because of the things that I experienced in my childhood. And because of those things, I had a lot of insecurity within myself. And that caused me to spend uncontrollably, not have a good sense of relationship with my money. And it triggered me to be in a whole lot of debt, right? I spent a lot on myself and I spent a lot on other people. And mainly it was other people. And it took me by the age of 31, that was the point in time where I realized, whoa, I need to do something different. I'm earning all of this money and I don't have anything in the bank 
that's a problem for me. So where is my money going? And once I realized that all of my money was going to debt payments, that's when I decided to transition my personal relationship with money. And I realized that I needed to get rid of the debt. And so I just went headstrong and figuring out what was the process that I needed to take, getting myself familiar with the financial literacy side, because even though I was in accounting, I didn't really understand the basics of household finances, personal finances. And so I had to learn that on my own. And I just started going at it like it was crazy. And within 21 months, I've paid off 83000 And now it's been four and a half years. And I have paid off $247,071.25. So I'm still paying stuff off. <laughs> but it's been an amazing journey. Wow. Wow. Sophia, that is such an inspiring story. And one thing I want to do before we get into our tips and strategies on demolishing that debt, can you talk a little bit about, you know, you talked about your upbringing. Can you talk about sort of how you got into the debt? Because I feel like oftentimes many of us in our community, we don't learn about this growing up, right? And I think that when we do make those wrong decisions and you know, we get into debt. We There's a lot of shame around that. And I remember getting my first credit card in college and I was like, oh, I got this money I can just use. So can we talk a little bit about, you know, how you got into debt and what your mindset was like then? And then we'll kind of walk through that journey. Yeah, absolutely. I can do that. And to be quite honest and quite frank, I was taught to borrow at a very early age. And so, like I was saying in my childhood, we had experienced a lot of scarcity. And so in order for my mom to feed us in certain cases, in order for us to be able to have some sort of sense of living, she lived off of her credit cards. And even before, I remember before I started going to college, my mom said to me up front, you're going to have to take out your own loans. I don't have any money. I'm not going to pay anything out of pocket. So you're going to have to take out your student loans in your own name, everything, anything that I needed, I had to get it in my own name. And so I was taught at an early age to acquire debt. I had a mortgage in my name for as soon as I turned 18. So as soon as I turned 18, my mom added me to the home mortgage and I was responsible for that once she stopped working. And I was just trained to borrow, borrow, borrow. And as a result, that led me to believe that that was the way of life. So I had credit cards, I had student loans, I had car loans, I had my mom's mortgage, and then I had my own mortgage, I had personal loans. So I had every kind of debt that you could imagine with the exception of, of payday loans. That's probably the only, the only type of debt that I didn't have. But any other debt, I had it because it it was ingrained in me to borrow. I felt like that was the only way that I could get what I needed or that I wanted to survive as an adult in life. Wow. That is so interesting. And I can only imagine how that shifted your relationship with money and how you interacted with money. It was like, this is the way that I live. I you know, acquire debt and it is what it is. I live to work and pay off this debt, right? Yes. 
And that was the realization for me just seeing, because I did this exercise at the ending of 2015. We all know that we have our New Year's resolutions that we set and we want to start the new year fresh. And I was going through this exercise of looking at every area of my life, right? And when I got to the finances, I said, well, let me look at my W-2s because I'm a person who worked like multiple jobs. So I had like three jobs. And so I looked at all of my W-2s from 2015 and I compared that to my December 2015 bank statement. And when I looked at all of the money that I earned between those jobs and I looked at the balance that was in my bank account, it was less than $10. And I was like, how in the world did I gross over six figures and I only have nine dollars and some change in the bank. It just didn't make sense to me at all. And once I realized like, whoa, this is a dysfunctional relationship that I have. I have over $40,000 in credit card debt. I have $80,000 in student loans. I have a car loan that's about 30 or like 20 something thousand dollars. It was ridiculous. And I said, there has to be a better way. I said, there's no way that God has put us on this earth for us to be paying all of these bills. And that's it, you know? So yeah. Yeah. As I'm listening to that, I'm like, okay, I know that there are so many of us out there that can relate to this, right? Mm-hmm. Because as you were talking, I was thinking about, yeah, I have student loans. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Uh, yeah, I have credit cards. But I do want to go back to like your upbringing, right? Mm-hmm. And what you pointed out about this pattern, this historical pattern of having to borrow. So You're in this space now of we're going. So 2015, you're in this space of like what you know is we borrow. Mm -hmm. What shifted at the end of 2015 when you're like, okay, I have ten dollars left in my bank account. I make over six figures and there's only ten dollars to my name. What was the thought process there? Like what was the next step? Like after you saw that number, like what came next? It was actually daunting to see the number because it was over $365,000. And I said, how in the world did I, before the age of 30, amass that much in debt? And I had to make a choice, you guys. I had to decide either I was going to live with this or I was going to do something about it. And I chose that I had to stop my patterns. I knew that it was something that needed to change within me. And so I had, once I faced the reality of my situation, by actually looking at all of the numbers, that is what triggered me to shift and say, okay, I have to do something different. And now what is that next step? And so what that looked like for me was finding the resources that I did not know, or I was not able to learn growing up by listening to different podcasts, finding templates or different tools that I can use to better educate myself on the basics of positive spending habits, on the basics of budgeting, on the basics of just being a better steward over the resources that I was being blessed to acquire. And so once you get to that space of realizing I want something different for my life, you have to choose what you need to change within your habit paradigm for it to actually pivot and shift to 
reposition your money so that it can pay down the debt. And not only that, pay yourself so that you can begin to build your preserve because that was my issue. I didn't have any cash. And if I did have cash, I would spend it right away. And I want to share this as well. One of the things that I learned while going through this journey was that I had to learn to pay myself first. And so growing up, I was never taught that. I was never taught to put money aside. I was always taught to spend, spend, spend. And once I started going through my debt freedom journey, I had that same mentality of just spending everything by putting it on the debt rather. So I never paid myself. And I had to realize that I have to start putting money aside because when things happen, because life is going to happen to us, it's not going to be a perfect ride. There's going to be things that come up. There's going to be things that have to be replaced, things that have to be repaired. But are you positioning yourself to have that cash flow there to fund those things when it happened? And when I started to notice like my tires started to go flat, I had to replace my tires, had to replace gutters, I had to replace major appliances in my home. That stuff costs a lot of money, right? Mm -hmm. That could be thousands of dollars very quickly. And if you don't have that in the bank, what do you have to do? You put it back on your credit card. So the debt that I was paying off, I was reaccumulating because I wasn't planning ahead and thinking about those anticipated expenses and putting that money to the side. So that was another thing that had to shift in my paradigm by learning to prioritize myself on the pay list by paying me first after paying my tasks. Sophia, I'm really curious about your perspective on this. That was very powerful what you shared. And I found that, and I'm going to be transparent and Dom, you can chime it if you like. I have some selfish questions for you because this is not something that I grew up learning. So I'm like, hold up, let me see if I can ask Sophia these questions. But honestly, what I realized, I had to have an honest conversation with myself years ago because I realized that I was in this sort of cycle with my finances where I would make money, max out or rack up credit card debt just to pay it off. And I'd be so accomplished. Like, yeah, I paid it off. And then I just get into that same cycle of racking it up again. And then I pay it off. And then every once in a while I go on this, what do they call it? Retail therapy shopping spree. And Mm -hmm. I realized, oh wait, I have an issue. No matter how much money I'm making, I keep getting into this cycle. So my question for you is how do you find the balance between being gentle with yourself, but also holding yourself accountable and be like, girl, you need to change and do something. How do you find that balance? Because I feel like there is a balance there, right? There is absolutely a balance and the balance is is necessary. So number one, you have to make sure that you are carving out that space for you to have that fun money is what I call it, right? Mm -hmm. So you don't want to completely deprive yourself. However, you do want to make sure that you are aware and that you're cognizant of your behaviors. Another thing is you have to have accountability and I'm talking about accountability outside of you. So sometimes we can try to hold ourselves accountable internally, but you really aren't allowing anyone else to quote unquote check you, right? Or hold you accountable. So if you feel like there's a lack of discipline in that area where you really want to be able to say, hey, this is my goal. This is my plan of attack. This is what I want to do. And I want you to hold me accountable to kind of check in. 
prime example. So I do group coaching, right? So I do group financial coaching. And one of the things that I tell my students, anyone who comes into my class, is that it's very important to have an accountability partner outside of you and outside of even your spouse, someone in your household, because sometimes you need that external person to be able to hold you accountable to what you said that you wanted. So I always tell them to come together to, we have, of course, our private Facebook group and things of that nature where we post things and we say, hey, this is our goal for the week or this is my challenge for the month and this is what I'm planning to do. And we even get vulnerable and share our, our weaknesses if we overspend in an area because that's a part of life. That's a part of the cycle. But if you just become aware of what your actions are and what your intentions are and just being truthful with yourself, it will create that balance for you over time. So that would be my advice to share. Yes, I love it. Okay. Now, I like that idea of having an accountability partner, right? And I like how you pointed out like, okay, pick people outside of your household. But what other characteristics would you say would be helpful in picking that accountability partner? Because one of the things that someone once told me is you don't want to pick an accountability partner who's in your same position, right? Like you want to pick someone who's at least a little bit ahead of you so that you might be motivated to make progress. Absolutely. And I think the key there is is not only finding someone that's ahead of you, but also someone that's in the journey with you. And so one of the things that's important to do is either if you want to get a coach or get someone who could who could actually help you, guide you, carry you along in that area, that would be a good avenue. But you have to find groups or different spaces, find people outside of that, like different Facebook groups of people who are on the same journey that can help hold you accountable. So outside of finding maybe external coaching or maybe financial therapy, whatever the case may be, you have different options, but you do have to kind of think about who do you want to invite into your space and who can you trust? And I think with that, it kind of takes time to kind of get to know people. And I think with with Facebook groups, a lot of times people share their stories and they're willing to be authentic and sharing their truth. And if you find someone who you can connect with, you could always, you know, connect and, and test the waters out in that regard. However, if you feel like you want to reach out to someone that is maybe at a higher level, like you said, Dom, then I would say maybe getting involved with a coach or some type of coaching atmosphere. Okay. Now, Sophia, what I want to do is like, I want to pose all the questions because I know that what happens is, is that sometimes psychologically we might be hearing this and we might not be in that stage of change where we're ready to take action. Right. Mm -hmm. So for our listeners, I want to pose those questions that come up like, or those excuses that we might think of to keep us from taking the next step. So let's say that I only make $50,000 a year, right? Mm -hmm. I can't afford a coach and I don't have time to be on a Facebook group. How do I make this happen? How do I make these changes? Well, number one, Google and YouTube is your best friend. (laughs) 
And so if there is a way and even podcasts, right, if there is a way for you to be able to find the information that you need and find the information that you want, you just have to be diligent and take that step to carve out the time to listen to the episodes, to watch the videos, to get the resources. That's one of the things that I had to do. Like in the beginning, I started this journey alone. I didn't know what I was doing. I had to educate myself. And in order to do that, I started to listen to different podcasts. I went on the internet. I was just Googling and searching things until I found certain episodes or podcast shows that gave me the momentum that I needed to shift from that space of uncertainty or that space of feeling of temporary defeat. And another thing as well is when it comes to coaching, there are so many programs that the government offers or that these nonprofit agencies offer for free, for free. You can get free financial coaching, you can get free financial therapy, but if you're not willing to do the research or to apply for these programs or put your information out there, then, you know, you won't be able to get it. And another thing is you have to make time for this. So if you think that you don't have time to be in Facebook groups, or if you feel like you don't have time to watch these videos, then you're not going to have time to do the work because to transition your life, to pay off that amount of debt or to build a healthier relationship with your money is going to require effort and it's going to require work on your part. So this isn't going to be an easy microwavable popcorn success kind of thing. I'm going to give you two steps and that's it. No, this is a journey. You have to actively work at it and you have to be willing to put in the work, do the research, reach out, do the mental work to work on your mindset to help you shift to move into action. So it sounds like this is really a relationship with money for sure. It's just like any other relationship in life, which is something that I'm learning. But then also it's going to take some time and it's a process. And as Dom always says, trust the process, right? Yes. Trust the process. Yes. So it's, it's a relationship, right? And it, it takes time and also an active decision. Like, you know, we often hear like we have to be the heroes of our own stories. I love that you brought up different ways that we can tap into other resources like podcasts and some of the grants and free offerings. So maybe we can get some of those from you, Sophia, and also add them in the show notes too. Absolutely. I can definitely share a few. Yes. Awesome. And then when you think about, you know, your journey, it's so inspiring. I mean, Sophia, you said $325,000 in debt. Is that right? 365 was my total note. She said 365. Okay. And the fact that you are where you are now, and this has totally transformed your life as far as your financial journey. How did you manage to pay off such a massive amount of debt in the midst of the stressors you were faced with? Because I know, Sophia, I've heard you speak at conferences and I know you've had, I mean, this is just your financial journey we're talking about, but you had your own like familiar journey, you know, as far as like with your parents and other stressors in life. So like, How are you able to be a caregiver, work, and then pay off this debt at the same time? I'm I'm hoping that you can offer some advice for folks that are in the midst of this, you know, pandemic, right? And how they can kind of get their financial house in order now. Yes, absolutely. I will tell you right now, it (laughs) took a lot of sacrifice Mm -hmm. and a lot of discipline. Let me tell you, I had to give up a lot. And the reason why I had to give up a lot, like you said, is because I was managing two households. And so I had to make a choice 
to decide, okay, if I'm going to do this, I have to be willing to give up something temporarily, right? So it's a temporary sacrifice for long-term gain. That's what I kept telling myself. And to start, I had to, number one, begin to reprioritize where my money was going. And so what that looked like was me identifying my spending patterns, looking at my income and looking at my expenses and seeing what I could cut and eliminate immediately. And so when I looked at the amount of money that I was spending on eating out, you guys, I spent at least 20, 20 to $25 a day on food, breakfast in the morning at work, lunch during work. And that didn't even include the outings and things of that nature when I would meet up with friends or have dinner. So I was spending about $500 a month on eating out alone. So you know what I did? I cut that out. (laughs) That was the number one expense that I cut out. And then I started to think about, okay, I have to be able to bring in multiple income sources. I cannot just rely on my nine to five salary to pay for this. I had to think bigger. And so I asked myself a couple of questions. What are the things that my friends or that people come to me and ask me to do for free? So prime example, I'm an accountant, right? So that's my background. So I did taxes. So I would do my friends' taxes for free all the time. Their family members, everybody, they'd be like, oh, because I used to be an auditor. So they'd be like, okay, well, can you do my taxes? Sure. I'm all about compliance. I just want to make sure your stuff is right. So I would do their taxes. But when I started this journey, I had to put a price on my gift. I was like, wait a minute, wait a minute. I have to start charging. So I start charging for that. I'm relatively good with writing. I did resumes. People would ask me to redo their resumes. So I started to charge for that. I started getting money. So I just started to think and extract and and figure out how I could put a price tag on my gift. And I started charging people and they started paying me. So I was getting my money from work. I was getting my money from outsourcing my gifts. And then as well, I started to make phone calls to see how I could lower my expenses. What companies did I have business with for a long time that I could say, hey, this is my favorite line, you guys. I would always call and say, I'm having financial hardship right now. I'm going to have to cut my expense. I'm going to have to cancel my service. These companies, they don't want to lose your service, right? So they're going to figure out a way to help you to lower your bill and keep you as a customer. So every six months, every year, I would be calling all of my vendors on my mom's side because I had to do her expenses as well as my own. And I would just say the same story every time I'm having financial hardship. And I would go from paying a $242 bill to a $130 bill, or I would go from a $130 bill to a $50 bill. Another thing that's huge, you guys, is watching your utility bills. So utilities, it's a mandatory expense. It's a primary expense that you need for your home. But one thing that we don't realize is how many things that we have plugged up in our house that we don't use. Mm. So I did an experiment. Like I like to test things out. <laughs> so, I looked at, so I looked at my electric bill for a period and I was like, you know what? All of this stuff is drawing current. I have all of these sockets plugged in, all of these things plugged in, lights that's not even in use. So I said, let me just do an experiment and just unplug everything to see what happens. 
you guys, Uh-oh. I had <laughs> my electric bill on average was about $130, $140 a month. When I did this for a 30, 35 day window, because, you know, you have to make sure that, you know, it gets the ranges for whatever the cycle is. The next time I got the bill, my lowest bill was $13 and 10 cents. Just by, um, I'm no lie. Oh my goodness. Oh, you got game game, Sophia. You better go ahead, girl. (laughs) (laughs) Now listen, I need to know. I need to know, because especially considering that like all of us are working from home, well, not all of us, a lot of us are working from home or have kids at home and there's appliances and things galore plugged in and lights have to be turned on and it's the summertime. And so mm-hmm. air conditioning and fans mm-hmm. and all of that, I need the breakdown. Well, I think for me, because I lived alone, so I I think for parents, it'll probably be a little bit more difficult with trying to manage that. So for example, I I told one of my clients to do the same thing because she had an electric bill that was $600. And yeah, it was, I think it was five of them in the house. And then when we were- Yeah. And I said, you know what? I said, just look around, go into an empty room right now and tell me how many things are plugged in. And when she went into the room, she saw that, you know, the kids had the, what is it? The iPhone charger stuff plugged in, the lamps were plugged in, all of these things, but no one was in the room. And so I said, well, I know it's probably going to seem taxing, but every time you see something, you need to unplug it if it's not in use, unplug it if it's not in use, turn off the lights. Whatever that, whatever the case may be, and remind the kids as well. I mean, sometimes the kids are younger, so they may not necessarily remember. But she did that. She did that, and not during COVID, you know. But this was pre-COVID. But she did that. She was making sure that she was pulling things out. Her electric bill dropped to two fifty. It was under three hundred dollars oh. just by doing that. Wow. So it really, it really makes a difference. Now, like I said, it's probably going to be a hassle running behind the kids trying to unplug stuff. But if that could save you $400, I mean, come on. Yes. Okay. <laughs> right. If you it's know? saving $400, I will be behind those kids. Right. Like, Every did second. Did you turn that light off? Did you yeah. unplug that charger? Like, and, and as you're saying that, I'm looking around my space and I like to think that I'm generally good about these things, right? But I think what you're pointing out is that all of us have like little tweaks that we can make that could save us some money. Mm-hmm. Yes, yes. And I'm thinking about for parents, how they might be able to, depending on your kids, of course, but like you might be able to even gamify this, right? Like whoever can unplug the most stuff throughout the day or shoot, y'all have a little hide and seek day where it's like, okay, today we're going to unplug everything. We're going to use some flashlights, y'all, just to experiment to see like how can it impact your household? That is so incredible. Thank you so much for sharing that, Sophia. You're welcome. You're welcome. Game <laughs> changing. My mind is blown, Dom. Oh my gosh. <laughs> <laughs> Yes, mine too. And so like, as we're thinking about like these game changing tips, would you offer different advice to people depending on their income level? I would because 
depending on your situation, like everyone's situation is not the same. And so sometimes you do have to take different measures or different approaches. And so like one of the strategies that, that I share with people is you have to figure out a way to minimize the interest that you're paying on your debts. And sometimes the only way to do that is by refinancing it out or transferring it over to maybe 0% or finding a lower interest rate in order for you to be able to do that. But in some cases, people's credit scores is not in a position that will allow them to refinance or be able to get a 0% interest on a balance transfer or something along those lines. And so I do have to share different advice depending on where you are or where prospects may be or people may be because everyone's situation is not the same. But when it comes to the basics, the basics is habit, right? So what would really transform your relationship with money is your habits around money. And I think everyone can put themselves in the space to identify what their habits are and make proactive measures to shift and change those. Because what's going to happen is, is even if you go through this process of following all of the steps, because if I give you a plan, you pay off the debt, what's going to happen is you're going to get yourself right back in that hole. Mm -hmm. So prime example, and I think you shared this too in the beginning, Uh right? (laughs) So So we have to think about what are our patterns and what are we doing that's causing us to get in this space in the first place. And if you really want to experience transformation in that area, you really have to proactively work on your habits. And it's not necessarily about how much money you make. It's about what you do with the money that you make. Mm -hmm. So you really have to be intentional. You have to be aware. You have to be willing to sacrifice, especially if you are in a space where your income levels are a little bit lower. But if that is the case, just know that you have the capacity and the eagerness to do it because there's always ways where you can make money to supplement what you need. So that would always be my advice. How can you find the money? Like you guys said, make it a game. How can you find the money? This is one thing that I share with my clients as well as I have them utilize this cap plan. I call it cap. So it's what can you cut? Who can you ask or what can you acquire that you could potentially leverage? And then the P stands for what can you produce? And so what can you produce comes through how can you use maybe your gifts, your talents to come up with a way to get the money that you need to make up for the difference. Oh, I like that cap. Okay. C-A-A-P. That's amazing. We'll have to add that in the show notes for sure. That is so helpful. Sophia, OMG. And I want, you brought up financial therapy, which was a new term for me. I'm like, oh, okay. I never thought about that. And then also, you know, I've heard of financial coaching, but when you think about, you know, your first session with your, you know, prospective clients or your new clients, what does the first session look like in financial coaching? Like what are some of the questions you ask or what do you discuss and how does that look? Oh man, I'll tell you right now, it can get heavy. Yeah. It can get really deep. I have several times when I speak to to people for the first time, they always say, oh my gosh, this feels like a therapy session. I feel like I just need to pay you for, for this because I do deep dive and I ask them those tough questions about 
What do they desire? What do they want? What do they feel like is holding them back? What are some of the obstacles or misconceptions that they may have seen or experienced that's holding them from getting to that space of desire of where they would actually like to be a year from today, two years from today, five years from today? And so we do tend to get deep. We get heavy. I ask a lot of questions. One of the things, too, is I utilize a sentence stem approach. And so it changes from time to time. So depending on what I'm hearing you say will drive the questions for the sentence stem that I start and I ask you to answer. Mm -hmm. And so it's a really deep process. We explore a lot. And honestly, it ties back to our childhood. It ties ties back to our fears. It ties back to anxiety and what triggers us to operate in the way that we do. And one of the things that I try to share with folks is that, yes, the strategy helps, but if you don't deal with the relationship piece, the strategies aren't really going to serve you because you're not going to execute it in a way that you should in order to be able to achieve long-term results that you can sustain over time and then teach to your family and to your legacy and keep carrying that message forward as opposed to the bad habits that we normally pick up in our households. Mm, I'm just taking that all in. That is powerful, right, Dom? Yes, yes. I am loving this. And so, Sophia, I know you said, you know, okay, you tailor your approach to each person's like unique situation mm-hmm. and you identified the the cap plan right mm-hmm. if our listeners today outside of like the cap plan if they could walk away with a few key pointers what would you identify as those key pointers that universally, no matter what their situation is, would be helpful for them to transform their financial future? Absolutely. So number one, you have to face the reality of your situation. So you have to be willing to look at the numbers and face where you are. So that means going in account by account, statement by statement, looking at your debt balances and see exactly what you owe, putting it on paper, tallying it up so you can have your ultimate number. Once you do that, you have to then look at your income that's coming in, begin to establish a budget so that you can tell your money where to go as opposed to it telling you where it's going to go. And then also the most important is to pay yourself first. If you want to transform your relationship with money and you want to keep yourself out of a space of being in debt or constantly in debt, you have to learn to pay yourself first so you can build your reserve. One of the things that I always share too is that a lot of times we as people, we want to be wealthy, but we don't do what the wealthy people do. And we know that the wealthy people do these five things, right? They save, they dream, they invest, they give, and they plan. And so out of Some of the elements that I just shared, three of those are out of that five, right? They give, they plan. So you have to make sure that you are making space for that. 
and putting yourself in an environment where you could speak freely about where you are in your finances. I got to share this too with you guys, because a lot of times we have this fear of having a conversation around money. I can't tell you how many clients who I've met with, how many students who are in my class who had this fear of not even wanting to talk about where they are in their financial situation. And it is so important for us to have the conversations, get rid of the facade, just tell the truth, right? Tell the bold truth about where you are in your money. Because at the end of the day, especially your kids need to see what is truly required in order to survive in this world. We don't want to have conversations with them. We don't want to be truthful with them. We don't want to share what's necessary for them to be able to learn what they need to learn to effectively operate from their resources. And so I think that comes from the lack of conversation that not only happens in our household, but the lack of conversation that we just want to have, period, when it comes to our money. And money is a healthy conversation. Money is something that we should be talking about on a consistent basis. And I just want to encourage everyone who is listening to be okay with being truthful about where you are in your finances because you are not alone. There is no shame. Somebody else has been where you are in worse places. So be willing to share your story and share your truth because you never know what you may share could lead ultimately to you helping someone else or them ultimately turn around and blessing and helping you. Yes. Yes. Thank you so much for that. You're welcome. Now, Sophia, we're going to change up the energy of our interview today. You've already dropped so many gems. So we just want to add a little bit of fun and end this interview on a positive note. So Sophia, because we recognize and appreciate, and of course we celebrate the multifaceted woman and we believe that it's okay to be classy and ratchet and you can still be elegant and dance to strip club music. We want to invite you to the OU Clatchet segment. So Sophia, do you take on the challenge? I will take on the challenge. Yes, we appreciate that excitement. So get ready. All right. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. <laughs> you're all excited. You're all hyped. The first question, twerk or two-step? Oh, two-step. Two-step. Hey, okay, okay, okay. Got you drinking your two-step, you drinking your two-step. <laughs> I love it. Okay, Sophia, what topic can you talk about all day? Oh my gosh, financial literacy. Yes. All I, day. I, I was like, that's a given. That's a given, right? <laughs> awesome, awesome. I'm going to hand it back over to Dom. Yes, I, I kind of figured that was going to be the answer to that one. All right, so you got your drink and your two-step. Now, what song will get you to the dance floor to get into that two-step. Oh, my gosh. Y'all probably going to laugh at me, but Frankie Beverly and Maze, before I let go. Of course. That is the perfect. Yes. That's the <laughs> theme song right there. The family reunion theme song. <laughs> that, that just makes sense. That, that just makes sense to me. I love it. Can't have a party without Frankie Beverly and Maze. Okay. That's right. Okay, so Sophia, what is your biggest pet peeve? Oh my gosh, biggest pet peeve is probably the chimes on my phone. So my phone, I have two phones and they go off like crazy. And I get so annoyed when every time I hear ding, ding, ding. So nine times out of 10, my ringer's off. (laughs) I hear that. I hear that. 
Yes. Okay, <laughs> one final question. What would your stripper name be? Oh my goodness. <laughs> I, I, yeah, yeah, we, oh. we said we were going there. You said you were up for it. Oh, how's your right saying? The debt demolisher? <laughs> Welcome to the stage. The debt demolisher. We're her two cents. <laughs> Demolishing her debt by taking your coins. Okay. I love That's it. That's right. Okay. Dom A. <laughs> yeah. We just want to thank you so much, lady, for your gift, for the work that you do, for you just being an inspiration in all the gems and the game that you've dropped today for our listeners. Thank you so much. We would love to know where our listeners can find you online and reach out to you for some financial services and any other offerings that you have. Yes, absolutely. So I can be found, of course, on my website, sophiamelanie.com. That's my personal branding website. Or you can reach me on my company's website, which is smashdebtinc.com. And of course, on social media platforms, Instagram, LinkedIn, at I am Sophia Melanie. Hey, lady, it's Dr. Dom here from the HerSpace podcast. Do you have a burning question you're dying to get feedback on? Do you want an unbiased perspective on a situation you're facing? If so, visit herspacepodcast.com and click Ask Dr. Dom under the Start Here option. Every Tuesday, I'll choose a few questions and answer them at random. Thanks for joining us today in Her Space. Please note that our show may contain conversations about self-help, advice, self-empowerment, and mental health, but it is by no means meant to be a substitute for an ongoing formal relationship with a trained mental health provider. If you or someone you know is in need of mental health care, please visit the Therapy for Black Girls directory, Psychology Today, or contact your insurance provider. If you liked what you heard and want to keep the conversation going, connect with us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at HerSpacePodcast, or check out our website at HerSpacePodcast.com. And before we meet again, repeat after me. I am not limited by any past thinking. I choose my thoughts with care. We'll see you next week, lady.